Uh, Genesis chapter 3. I know we went page 1, page 2, but this one's on page 4. So page 4 of your Bible's very beginning. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He, God, said to him, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall Return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Dr. Rossi, would you come and speak to us?
Good evening. It's uh, good to be with you again. Uh, th these uh, three days have been uh, like a breath of fresh air, kind of like spring water. And again, just because we, we have been together, churches from different denominations and backgrounds, and it's uh, everybody I've been talking to, I told them about this experience this week. I haven't had one uh, like this in a long time. So uh, uh, I'm grateful and I thank Pastor Roger for inviting me. Um, Sunday night, uh, we talked about God being the great creator God who is an all-powerful God who creates by the power of his word. He's a God of order who creates everything in six days. Yesterday we saw how God instituted the family. Um, there are two institutions that God created, the family and the church. And uh, because God instituted them, nobody can take that away uh, from us. Uh, but today, uh, we're looking at how this paradise, this garden, where Adam and Eve were placed, is lost. Paradise uh, lost. And we are introduced to the enemy, public enemy number one, in the first verse. The enemy... The Bible says is the, the serpent. Now I know we know it's not just a serpent. If we read the entire Bible, we know this is not a regular you know snake. This is actually Satan. Uh, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman that God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. How do we know that this is Satan? We have to do something called biblical theology where we have to read the entire Bible to understand the concept. And when we look in the Bible and we read, for example, 2 Corinthians 11:3, Paul says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And Revelation 22 explains who the serpent is. And he sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So public enemy number one is Satan. And then the Bible describes his strategy. His strategy is first to question God's word. Notice, please, he won't come to, at the beginning to, he's not going to come with something and say, hey, here, deny God. You know, here's a, here's a sign, deny God. No, he won't come like that. First, he will question God's word. And that's what he says here to Eve. <clears throat> now, again, remember chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And what we see here, first of all, Satan makes Eve question God's word. He actually says, he says, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And here's Eve's mistake number one. Now, some people say Eve's mistake was that actually he, she engaged Satan in conversation. I don't know about that. I mean, you know, when you see a snake talking, you're probably going to talk back, right? <clears throat> so, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to blame Eve for that. But we, ha we can blame her. Uh, for altering God's word. She changed God's word just a little bit. It's not a, we might say, it's not such a big deal, but it is. You see, she just changed the word a little bit. God says, you may not eat from it, right? It was very clear. 
But notice what she says in Genesis 3, 2 and 3. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. Did God ever say that? No. God never said that. Now you might say, that's not such a big deal. <clears throat> well, let's, let's look at what the Bible says about this. Proverbs 30 verses 5 and 6 says to us that we should not take anything from God's word and you should not anything to it. Proverbs 30 verses 5 and 6 says this. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words. We are not smart enough. We don't have the authority to add to God's word. And Eve does that. Do not add to his word lest he rebuke you for and you and be found a liar. We cannot add to his word and we cannot take away from his word. We don't have that authority. Revelation 22 verse 19. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life in the holy city which are described in his book. See, questioning God's word is only the first step in a slippery slope. And then it continues to denying God's word. God said very clearly, in the minute you eat of it, you shall surely die. First Satan say, nah, did God really say that? First he questions God's word and then he denies God's word. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. My dear brothers and sisters, we need to remember what Jesus said about Satan. Satan is the father of lies. That's his strategy. He will lie. He always does. And he is the father of lies. First he will question God's word. Then he will deny God's word. John 8 44, in arguing with the Pharisees and the scribes, Jesus says these very harsh words when he says to them, you are the father, your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of, of lies. Satan will do that with us too. First he will make you question God's word. Then he will make you deny God's word. And the tragedy occurs. Notice please the verbs that accompany the tragedy of the fall. Notice I, I underlined them here. Look at the verbs. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he, he ate. The verbs. She saw. She took. She ate. She gave. My dear brothers and sisters. Whenever we make decisions based on what only our eyes can see. There will always be bad decisions. I don't have to tell you right. You bought that car <laughs> just because you looked at it and you liked it. <laughs> you forgot what's in your bank account. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not judging. I, I like how Max Lucado envisions Eve's thought process. Eve stroked her chin as she played the promise, you will be like God. The snake pulled back the curtain to the throne room and invited Eve to take a seat. 
put on the crown, pick up the scepter, put on the cape, see how it feels to have power, see how it feels to have a name, see how it feels to be in control. Eve swallowed the hook. The temptation to be like God eclipsed her view of God and the crunch of the fruit echoed in the kingdom. But the results were anticlimactic. Look in verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made them themselves loin cloths. Their eyes were not physically closed until then. So when it says here the eyes of both of them were open points to a spiritual reality. Now they had more understanding than they had before. But James Montgomery, Montgomery Boyce helps us in understanding and says this, by sinning our first parents came to know evil as well as good, which is what Satan said. But they came to know it not from the standpoint of God, who loves good and hates evil, but as fallen creatures who love evil and hate good. Satan would have been perfectly truthful if he had said, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like me, knowing good and evil. Genesis 2.25 says that the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And all of a sudden now they are ashamed. Why? Because guilt is the first consequence of sin. Guilt is the first consequence of sin. People tell, tell me that, oh, don't let people make you feel guilty. No, no, no. Guilt is good if it leads you to the cross. When you feel guilty... There's something that's telling you, hey, hey, you did something wrong. Take it to the cross. Guilt is one of the first consequences of, of sin. And you know what, what, what they do now. What, what Adam and Eve did, they tried to cover their sinfulness by, um, by sewing fig leaves together. That, my dear brothers and sisters, is the story of humanity that's trying to develop a man-made religion who tries to cover sin by man-made things. And it's not going to work. The tragedy is rebellion, disobedience. The tragedy is broken, broken relationship. Broken relationship, verse 8. Looking verses 8 to 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of your garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Where are you? Some liberal scholars say that God is asking, Where are you? Because he doesn't know where they are. He's not asking because he doesn't know. He's asking because he knows. <laughs> Remember when my, our youngest son, Nick, was about three or four years old. He said, Daddy, I want to play hide and seek. We live in Indiana. It's winter. So we have to play inside. Inside the house. Hide and seek. And he said, Daddy, I'm going to hide over here. But I wanted to play. So I went around the house, 
Nicholas, Nicholas, where is Nicholas? Why did I do that? Did I do that because I didn't know he, where he was? No. I did because exactly I knew where he was. I didn't ask it for my sake. I asked it for his. This is not a geographical question, where are you? It's a theological question, where are you? God is trying to give them a chance to repent and confess and say, we're wrong, we messed up, but they don't do that. They don't do that because the tragedy is not just broken relationship. The tragedy is failure to accept responsibility for sin. Remember, a couple of consequences of sin is this. First is guilt, and the second one, failure to accept responsibility. Think about that next time you sin. You'll be tempted to do exactly what they did, right? What did they do? What did they do? They failed to, to accept responsibility for sin, and then they blamed each other. Actually, who told you that you were naked? God says, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you to eat? The man said, what did Adam say? Lord, I confess, right? <laughs> no. said, the woman, the woman. By the way, don't make this as a Valentine's Day card. <laughs> this, this won't fit. Guys, oh, but it's in the Bible. Trust me. The man said, the woman whom gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Uh, let me ask you, who does Adam blame? The woman whom you gave me. It's ultimately your fault, God. You were so good while I was by myself. Now, when I point to someone and I say, it's your fault, I point one finger towards the person, one towards God, and three towards me. Always remember that. Always remember that. That's good, right? <laughs> one towards the person, one towards God, and three towards me. Failure to accept responsibility for sin is the one of the first consequences of sin. Right? Uh, and we do that all the time. Uh, my parents were too strict, right? Or my parents were not strict enough. Or the peer pressure was too great, or whatever. We have excuses after excuses. The woman, did the woman accept responsibility? No. The, the, the devil made me do it. That's what she said. The serpent deceived me and I ate. I like what Martin Luther, the great German theologian, says. Let us learn then that this perversion, by the way, uh, Martin Luther was not a, he kind of like was not a diplomatic kind of guy. So he kind of just tells it harshly. So this is a quote from Martin Luther. Let us learn then that this perversion and stupidity always accompany sin and the sinners accuse themselves by their excuses and betray themselves by their defense, especially before God. This is the nature of sin. Unless God immediately provides a cure and calls the sinner back, he flees endlessly from God and by excusing his sin with lies, heaps sin upon sin until he arrives at blasphemy and despair. And then the penalty. To the serpent, he says, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock 
and above all the uh, beasts of the field. On, on your belly you shall go, and thus you shall eat all the days, all the days of, your, of your life. Uh, it seems that before this, the serpent was not a crawler. We don't know for certain, but it seems that way. We, we don't know for certain. But uh, <clears throat> it is clear from verse 15 that this is a foreshadowing about Jesus would do. This is called the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel message in Genesis 3.15, uh, where God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Indeed, at the cross, Satan bruised Christ's heel. But because of his death and resurrection, Christ crushed Satan's head and won a complete victory. This is the first gospel message right here. The penalty, the woman suffered the penalty. The Bible says, God says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. You shall desire, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. The woman was blessed with the capacity to bear children. But the penalty for her sin was that now childbearing would be more painful. Now, we don't know if the pain went from 0 to 10 or from 5 to 10. We don't know how it went. But the only, for those of you who have not had children yet, all you have to remember is this one word, epidural. <laughs> but notice, please, here, though, there's a couple of things going on. Notice, please, pain in childbirth is mentioned, and then children. It's very interesting. John Salhammer writes this. Thus the Lord affirms in the oracles of judgment the creation order. The serpent is subjected to the woman, the woman to the man, and all to the Lord. In those moments of life's greatest blessing, marriage and children, the woman would serve most clearly the painful consequences of her rebellion from God. How about to the man? To, man, to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the crown before, uh, because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the, the field. There is a really uh, funny illustration about this, so please go with me. It's, it's, it's just an illustration. Don't read anything theological into it, please. But it goes like this. It says, when, um, when God created the mule... He said, you are the mule, working constantly from dusk to dawn, carrying heavy loads on your back. You will eat grass and you will lack intelligence. You will live for 50 years. The mule answered, to live like, like this for 50 years is too much. Please, give me more, no more than 20. Then God created, and he was so. Then God created the dog, and told them, you will hold vigilance over the dwellings of men to whom you will be his greatest companion. You will eat his table scraps and live for 30 years. The dog responded, Lord, to live 30 years as a dog is too much. Please, no more than 15. And it was so. Then God created the monkey and told them, you are the monkey. You will swing from tree to tree acting like an idiot. You will be funny and shall live for 40 years. And the monkey replied, Lord, to live 40 years as the clown of the world is too much. Please, Lord, give me no more than 30. And it was so. Finally, God created man and told him, you are the man. 
the only rational being that walks on the earth. You will use your intelligence to have mastery over the creatures of the world. You will dominate the earth and live for 20 years. And the man, re the, the man responded, Lord, to be a man for only 20 years is too little. Please, Lord, give me the 30 years the mule refused, the 15 years the dog refused, and the 10 years the monkey rejected. And he was so. So God made man to live 20 years as a man. Hey, I can say this because my wife is not here. <laughs> so, lived 30 years like a mule, working and carrying heavy loads on his back. Then his children will become teenagers, and he will live 15 years as a dog, guarding his house and eating leftovers after they empty the pantry. <laughs> I see some amens over there in the back. <laughs> then in his old age, he will live 10 years as a monkey, acting like a fool to amuse his grandchildren. <laughs> I see a lot of amens, I see, yeah. It's funny, but it's true, in a, in a way. It's, it's, yeah, don't read anything theological into that. But if the story would end there, it would be tragic, but it doesn't end, doesn't end there. In verse 21, we are told that the Lord God made Adam and Eve and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus the Lamb of God whose blood will be shed so that humanity can have forgiveness of sin. It's the first sacrifice that happens in the Bible. The first killing of an animal for the covering of humans. So again, it's a finger pointing towards what Jesus would do. Um, when, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and I know uh, different churches do different ways, but all of you get to this point where, where Jesus says, says, take and eat. See, what Eve did when she took and she ate, that was the fall. The recovery can only happen when we accept Jesus, who died for our sins, and who rose again. And when we come to the Lord's table, he says to us, take and eat. That, for a Jewish person, sounds very much the same. They know, they hear it. What Eve has done can only be corrected by Jesus, who invites us to take and eat. Isn't that good news? So whenever we come to have communion, the Eucharist, whatever your church calls it, always remember, the problem of humanity, who took and ate, can only be resolved by Jesus, who invites us to take and eat. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And Paul says that in Romans 5, Therefore, as one trespass led to many to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Donald Gray Barnhouse elaborates and says, Sin, death, and judgment flowed from the act of Adam. Righteousness, life, and kingship flow from the cross of Christ. The sin of Adam was a stone cast into a pool which sent ripples to every inlet. The cross of Christ was the rock of ages cast into the ocean of, love, of the love of God. And it is the destiny of all who are in Christ 
to be carried on the swell of his majestic love and life and power both now and forever. Jesus is the Savior. The question I have for you tonight, is Jesus your Savior? That's the question. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Lord. God made him Lord. He gave him the title. The question is, is he your Lord? Jesus Christ is now your Lord and Savior. I implore you not to leave here tonight until you surrender your life to him. Uh, after we're going to sing this closing hymn that says, Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Uh, just come talk to, to a pastor, to Pastor Roger or Jordan or Kenneth. Grab someone and don't leave here until you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because the punishment will not just be for time. It will be for eternity if you don't surrender your life to Jesus Christ. But the good news is that burdens are lifted at Calvary. I was talking to the guys in the back before the church started. This hymn, and by the way, most of the hymns that I sang growing up, they're all translated from your English hymnal into Romanian. So growing up, I sang this in Romanian. And it's so beautiful that I can come and find that you are still singing it. Copyright 1952. Some of you were around. <laughs> Let's stand and sing together. <laughs>